Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rusk Report on the Bet 1520. Back by popular demand, we have an ambassador with us. Uh, man who's given a lot of service, a dedication, and loyalty to his country. I'm referring to Eric M. Javits. He's an American diplomat who served as the ambassador and permanent U.S. representative to the Conference on Disarmament in Geneva from 2001 to 2003, and the United States representative, permanent representative to the Organization of the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons from 2003 to 2009. He's a member of the Council of American Ambassadors, a great diplomat and statesman, Ambassador Eric M. Javits. Uh, we have a crisis in the Ukraine. Probably thirty to 40,000 people are dead. A lot of uh, scholars have said that if we would have had the sanctions put in six months or a year ago, none of this would have taken place. Let's talk about the Ukraine today. How are we, are we going to deal with this madman, Vladimir Putin? Well, you know, we have seen all of this before, and I'm of an age where I lived through it. In 1939, I was uh, eight years old, and I saw the double teaming of Stalin and uh, uh, the guys from Germany teaming up to uh, gobble up Poland in spite of the fact that um, efforts to, to, you know, make peace and uh, do a treaty were were made earlier, and, uh, and despite the promises to defend Poland, Poland was taken. And that's a playbook that, um, unfortunately, Putin is thinking about executing again, right in front of our eyes. And we're watching it, but unfortunately, we weren't on to his game, which we should have been early enough to send defensive weapons to Ukraine in sufficient numbers. When Trump was in power, he did send weapons. But when Biden got in, he did not. And until it was a little bit too late, uh, the Biden administration then did warm up to the idea and uh, rallied or helped to rally Europe in unity. And now we're doing uh, what I think is absolutely necessary to avoid a real World War III. 
the damage that's already been done is horrific. And we did not deter it sufficiently. But the fact we didn't deter it sufficiently is no excuse for not countering it sufficiently now. And fortunately, we are prepared to either do lend-lease, hopefully, but at least to send enough billions of dollars to hold the line. And probably uh, weaken Russia to the point where it will not execute on its plan to go on further. If you uh, were reading Putin's speeches that he made uh, and writings that he did over the years, his ambition was to recreate uh, a new Soviet Union, an enlarged um, autonomous group of countries that he would rule. And that would include uh, the next victims if we did not really defend Ukraine, which would be Azerbaijan, Moldova, uh, Armenia, and Georgia. So you you have to be very careful in terms of how you uh, deter either aggression and war and do it early. Otherwise, it, it does not work. I think we're on the way to weakening Russia to the point between sanctions and counterattacks and defending strongly and arming sufficiently so that Russia will not go on to try to do more than its objectives in Ukraine. But if we do it well and really uh, heighten the losses of the Russian armed forces and their equipment, the Russians themselves may awaken to the fact that this is not a special operation, but it's really a war that could spread and, and cause the destruction of Russia if it goes too far, and particularly if Putin decides to use tactical nuclear weapons. And if that knowledge and awareness spreads in Russia, the Russians themselves may take Putin out. Let's talk a little bit about the timing of all this. Um, I, I don't understand why, when there were 2,000 troops on the border of the Ukraine, they didn't do something. When there were 20,000 troops, when there were 100,000 troops, why uh, is there any logical reason why Biden waited till the 200,000 troops invaded? Why wasn't this a preemptive effort before the attack to stop the attack. What's the logic, Ambassador Javits? There is no logic. The logic is exactly counter to what has been done. So you, you do have to ask yourself, why? And since there's no logical explanation, mm -hmm. you start to wonder, do we really have a government in place under the Biden administration that has that is willing to uphold its oath to defend America and to defend the Constitution and to protect the American people. Unfortunately, we have a compromised administration that um, unfortunately has accepted wealth in various ways from the Russians, from the Chinese, from the from others, actually and Ukrainians. So unfortunately, we are dealing with um, a stacked deck. 
And America has to realize and be realistic about the consequences of that. We may actually find that America will not be the leading superpower to protect democracy, freedom, and the rights of man worldwide. Unless we can change our direction, change our leadership sufficiently and quickly enough to counter the decline that we're in and the betrayals that I, in fact, see happening in front of our eyes. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, supposed hypocrisy that the Biden administration is very concerned about Ukrainian borders, but we really have no southern border anymore with two, three million people coming in illegally, many with criminal records, many with COVID. How can we justify that we're concerned about Ukrainians' uh, sovereign status and their borders when we have no respect for our southern border? Please explain that to me, Ambassador Eric Javits. It's inexplicable. <laughs> That's the problem. When I used the word betrayal uh, a few minutes, a minute ago, uh, it applies exactly to the situation on other fronts, including the southern border. The reason I say betrayal is the laws of the United States that are in place, that were enacted by the Congress and with the full authority of the president's signature and the voters of the United States for decades have had in place and still have in place a solid immigration law system that requires people to apply, to be screened at consulates, to go through medical examinations, and not to come into the country until uh, they get a visa to come in and a green card. If they're on a visitor's visa, visa, they're supposed to leave in a certain number of months. And if they don't, they're subject to ejection. All of this is the law of the land. The president and his administration are sworn to uphold and execute faithfully the laws of the land. They are not. They are betraying the American people right in front of our eyes. And there is no explanation it is inexplicable unless you look at the fact that they are compromised or that they don't want america to be the leading superpower in the world or that they want to take down the country i cannot explain it any other way we're learning a great deal from ambassador eric m javits a tremendous diplomat and statesman on the rusk report backed by popular demand And the Bet1520 is streaming. You can listen live by going to our website. And a little plug here, Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal is available in many Tops and Wegman stores for home delivery. Call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. I'd like to thank those who've called regarding our recent guest, Jim Schwarzkopf, who is involved with the Barrett-Jackson 
national auto shows. And coming up, we're going to have Paulette Cooper Noble with, about her new uh, autobiography. So stay tuned. We have many exciting programs coming up. Thanks to those who called regarding our guest, John Castle, chairman of the board of Castle Harlan, and Allison Pataki, famous author and daughter of Governor George Pataki. A little bit more information about Eric M. Javits. Ambassador Javits grew up in Connecticut and is a nephew of former United States Senator Jacob Javits. His father, Ben Javits, was an attorney, philanthropist, and author, and was brother to the late Senator Javits. Ambassador Javits graduated from the Choate School in 48 and then spent one year in Stanford. He transferred to Columbia College and graduated Phi Beta Kappa in 52. He attended Columbia Law School and graduated in 1955. He was a great uh, tennis star and still plays tennis. Our guest today, Ambassador Eric Javits. How is the tennis game going, Ambassador? <laughs> well, it's been you know, a little bit in recline as the years go by, for sure. But I love it, and I'll still do it, and um, I go to the gym to train so that I can do it. Yeah, my, my kids were great tennis stars at Hobart and St. Lawrence, and they said that ambassador, he, he has a, a great swing and great move, so we're happy to have Ambassador <laughs> Javits. We'll have to do a show on your tennis career someday. <laughs> okay. Let, let's talk about the Russian bear. Uh, Valensky seems to be a modern-day Winston Churchill. It seems that he's beating back this big, sloppy, fat Russian bear. Uh, how are the Ukrainian freedom fighters faring against the big, fat, ugly Russian bear? Fortunately, they've been doing well. The reason they've been doing well is I think that the Russians have been relying on World War II methodology and tactics, and the Ukrainians have been much more agile and um, and facile in using more modern weapons and uh, fighting a uh, a battle that is basically more like a guerrilla warfare, which is very successful when you have long columns of heavy armor that can't maneuver off of a road because of heavy mud, etc. But now that things have changed because they're on flat land and the the earth has dried out enough so that armor can be used, and that's why Zelensky is asking for tanks and for armored personnel carriers. But they really do need air cover in order to be successful. And I'm hoping and praying that uh, the MiGs can, can be allowed to come in. And if the Biden administration doesn't permit uh, NATO and NATO countries like Poland to send in the MiGs that they have there, um, it would be, again, a betrayal. So, you know, giving them money and Lend-Lease is fine, but not giving them the full measure of what they need is a great mistake because we have a chance now to really um, cut this off before it becomes World War III, which we need to do desperately. Otherwise, it's, uh, it's going to get out of hand because the Chinese are standing behind Putin and using him as a surrogate to test the waters, to see if it's safe to go after Taiwan, to see if it's safe to uh, back Russia very strongly, possibly even with you know armaments and troops to go into Europe. And if, um, if it's true that the popularity polls 
on Putin are so high in Russia and going higher because of this conflict, then you stand a chance for Putin to make a very serious strategic blunder and go after the other countries. Ambassador, one thing I don't understand, why is the U.S. involved with these MiG jets? If they're Polish government property, shouldn't this just be an authorization of President of Poland Duda and the Polish parliament to give them? Why is the U.S. involved with Polish property? I think it's a question of NATO, which is comprised of 30 countries, and that they want to be sure that it's a NATO decision not to cause dissension amongst NATO countries. And since the U.S. is a NATO country and the you know, presumed leader of NATO, that gives Biden a chance to call the shots. And because he's weak-kneed and doesn't understand that the aggressors only uh, understand force. Right. They do not understand uh, moderation or withholding a blow because you don't want to start something worse. They don't understand it. Until they hit bone, they're not going to stop sticking in the knife. So you have to really use whatever you've got short of nuclear. Now, wouldn't those MiG jets, and you're an expert on arms, if you had 30 MiG jets and there are 500 tanks uh, sitting in convoys, couldn't those MiG jets just pick them off uh, 20 or 30 in a couple hours? Well, they could they could suppress any defensive moves to defend the tanks that the Russians would have on the ground against our tank forces. Or it would prevent the Russians from having the planes up there going after our tanks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a case of, of, you know, countering where you need to counter. And the air cover is extremely important if you want to attack. Very important. Otherwise, you're totally vulnerable if you're open from the air. Now, let's talk about how this affects other world leaders. You have a goofy guy in North Korea who has nuclear arms. Uh, They seem to be making a little bit of noise, but now when they see uncertainty in Afghanistan and the Ukraine, uh, do you think that North Korea is going to flex its muscles, Ambassador Javits? Well, anything is possible. But look what we're doing with Iran. The signals of weakness that Biden has given are so numerous that it would take the rest of the program to even talk about them, starting with the 2010 Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty called it was called New Start. Uh, Trump was negotiating very tough on that and wanted to really have an arms reduction treaty. But uh, Biden, when he came in, gave Putin a five-year renewal that he was seeking of the existing situation, which is very unfavorable for us and favorable for Russia. And then he eased off on Nord Stream 2, which was Russia's gas line into Europe. Trump was very strong against it, and Biden gave it to them. So, And when you see the withdrawal from Afghanistan of leaving you know, $80 billion worth of equipment there and not taking out all Americans before you pull out your military, I mean, the, the, the demonstration of stupidity and weakness by America 
takes me back to the, the word I hate, which is betrayal, because it looks like a betrayal. It's just terrible. And, and when you talk about uh, other things that, that could happen, I mean, it's not so easy for China to invade Taiwan because Taiwan is 90 miles away across open ocean water. You can't just send landing craft uh, 90 miles. That, that's a bit too far. So you have to think in terms of can they really assemble an armada that's that big? Well, if we keep showing them the weakness, they will eventually have time to build up and take it. But if we are strong and, and increase our military budget, which we should be doing now in the U.S., full steam ahead, I mean really as if it's World War III right now, then we can deter Russia and China and put the world back on its feet with some kind of equilibrium. I lived through the first year of World War II, 1941 to 1942, where our guys were training with wooden rifles. They didn't have anything to defend against the Japanese and the Germans. And by the end of a year, we really started to muscle up. But we don't have a year anymore. This isn't the world in which you have a year to decide that you're going to arm. We need to be arming proactively ahead of time, right now. But he's calling for, you know, trillions, trillions for the green energy and really not giving defense anything, anything. Because of inflation, actually, it's getting less. So we are really weak militarily in the Navy, in the Air Force, and in the Army, and particularly in the Marines, where they're teaching woke uh, critical race theory. And, and basically, they should be teaching these guys, like they used to, how to fight and kill. That's what they're for, to defend the country against attack. And we are not doing the job. We're just not. We're learning a great deal from Ambassador Eric M. Javits, a great statesman and diplomat. If you're listening in Cheektowaga, Montreal, or Washington, D.C., drop us a note. Please write to Brian Russ, care of the Rusk Report, the Bet 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. This station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand. We'd like to hear from you. Some more information about Ambassador Eric Javits. He began his legal career with Javits & Javits, the New York law firm. Founded by his father and his uncle, he conducted international practice as a partner in the firm from 64 to 89 when he left the practice to serve as a consultant in the U.S. Department of State. He was nominated to be the U.S. Ambassador to Venezuela in 1989. I'd like to talk a little bit more about Iran. Why in God's name would we want to give nuclear arms to a country that says death to America and death to Israel? I don't understand why you want to feed the enemy. Well, that, again, there's another example of why I use the word betrayal. We should never have entered into the first agreement with Iran where we gave them an enormous amount of money in, suit, in, in, in big cases of cash. That's unheard of. What are we doing? Sending currencies to Iran. 
and and and, and by aircraft. I mean, it's unbelievable. What when you do that, you can only think of who is that going to be kicked back to or spread around to. It's not it's not a uh, a bank to bank transaction. And then you you wonder why it's only ten years before they can have a bomb. I mean, the whole idea of dealing with Iran was so that they would never get a bomb. But you, here you give them a 10-year permission, and now you go back to the table to give them a three-year permission. In three years, they can have the bomb. And why would you want them to have the bomb when their whole ideology says destroy Israel, and when they're threatening Saudi Arabia, and when they're causing all kinds of dissension and upheaval in the Middle East? They are hegemonists. They would like to be the hegemons of their area. Take it over and run it. And they're demonstrating great agility and adeptness in doing just that. We should be fighting them tooth and nail. But we're instead, we're um, distancing our traditional allies like Saudi Arabia and Egypt by not really backing them solidly against Iran, and particularly Israel, who would be the target, the first target of destruction by Iran if they get the bomb. And then when you negotiate a deal, you don't forget about the, the intercontinental ballistic missiles or the uh, mid, mid-range ballistic missiles and their development. They are not just developing nuclear weapons, but the delivery systems. And they're doing everything they can in terrorism to be the leading uh, terrorist country exporting terrorism in the world. And it's it's in front of our eyes, and we are doing exactly the wrong thing, exactly opposite of what we should do. And so, again, you say, why? What is causing this? And as far as I'm concerned, again, it's countering, betraying, and giving up America's interests. We need to be strong and, and show strength and determination now as, as never before. Unfortunately, we do not have the leadership in place to do that. Talk about leadership. Let's discuss the Afghan, Afghanistan withdrawal. Could you please explain to me why the military left first and not last, uh, basically endangering thousands and thousands of supporters of the United States and citizens? Where's the logic for the military to go out before everyone else? There was the only one or two reasons that could be. Mm-hmm. First, first reason, we don't have the answer because the question is follow the money. And the second reason is politics and maybe a combination of the two. I just cannot explain it because it is inexplicable other than one or two or a combination of those two things. Terrible. We have a minute left. Um, are we compromised with Hunter Biden uh, making millions of dollars in the Ukraine, China, and Russia with no experience in energy nor finance? Are we compromised? We're compromised because it's destroying the moral ethic and integrity of our country. It's causing the world to uh, other countries and people around the world to look at us quizzically unable to fathom what the devil is going on because they just as i say it's inexplicable they understand and therefore the loss of respect and and uh, willingness to take the leadership of the united states 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.